my name is Sam Moores. That's who I am. Well, that's my name. Um, what do I do? It's a good question. I constantly wonder what on earth I do. Well, yeah, so mine are, we just click record and off we go. Which I've seen you just press the big red button. I've just pressed record, so it's recording. That's great. Keep <laughs> all of this bit in, because that's how all of them start. I will just send you this file. Yeah, perfect. Because for the first five minutes, normally, it's like not very clear who I'm talking to. <laughs> because I forget. Because you're like, I, I should introduce them. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, we've just been chatting. And I forgot I clicked a button, and now you've heard all of that chat, but you have no idea who I'm talking to. Yeah, I'm um, going to just turn my phone off, and I'm going to shut. Is, is that door shut? Yeah, I'm just going to shut the door. So what I've inadvertently done is come to someone who's actually quite good at doing this sort of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, I don't know. Well, we're using like proper microphones and... We are. Like almost like a mixing deck, if that's what that's called. This yeah, is something like that. Yeah. This is the limit of my night. I don't know what this thing is called. That it says Rodecaster Pro on it. That's exactly what it is. So I guess that's what we're using. Um, but yeah, so this might sound way better than my usual ones, or because I'm not used to working in this manner, it might I might sound terrible and you might sound amazing. Um, I think I, I I ignoring what the other ones might sound like. This is going to sound pretty good. Well, I know that. The problem is, then it's going to be the a content benchmark. might be trash. Yeah, but, but now the... <laughs> we're setting a benchmark that I can't achieve again. <laughs> well, that's all right. It's like driving a car that is really, really good, but you have to give it back, and then you're like, oh, I've no. Oh yeah, I've but I have this. a mixed opinions on this because I think if you if someone lets you drive something like like peak, yeah, McLaren F1 GTR or something, you can drive it and go, that was awesome, but I didn't have to spend twenty million quid on it. That is a good point, actually. Yeah, the the flip side of that is that you have to kind of go and speak to that person to get permission to do it again. If you get if you get that, it's itch. true. I've n- no one's to date has let me drive their F one GTR. So <laughs> if I, anyone's out there, I know someone who might have one, and he's not that far from here. Well, well, the where they're kept wasn't last time I got to visit. Um, but yeah, there's there's someone. There's a London. few there's a few steps on there between you know someone with one. And then, like, Getting to drive someone it. you've met on a podcast, being well, able to drive it. The flip side is the reason I got to go and see it was so they've also got a P1 GTR. Yeah, which might give you a hint as to who it is. Do they still have both cars? I, they don't have the P1 GTR. The Lark, one. No, the Harrods yellow and green one. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Um, they don't have that, but I think they still have the F1 GTR. Oh yeah, I don't know who. Well, the P1 isn't in the stripes it's like splashes but it was at the duke of london a couple of years ago um i don't know who that is oh well i'll have to tell you afterwards (laughs) i don't know if they want everyone to know who they are (laughs) but that came about the reason i got to go and spend some time with them was from an instagram post oh really that's it that's what what was the instagram post? so back when i first started doing all of the clothing stuff i um did like liveries with my logo so it was like my logo's original one was like rectangular so i did racing liveries on it and that was the style and i did one with the harrods livery yeah and the p1 gtr i knew who took some photos of it 
So I asked if I could share one and tag the guy who owned the car. Mm. Um, just to kind of connect the car to the livery and the T-shirt, that kind of thing. And he saw the post, messaged me, went, oh, I love what you're doing. I said, well, I'll send you one of these T-shirts if you want to chuck it on the car and just take me take a photo. Yeah. Just as a really yeah, appreciate it. That'd be quite cool, yeah. wouldn't it? And he went, oh, why don't you just come to the garage and do it yourself? And that was it. That was the extent nice. of how I ended up in this garage with these. It wasn't just those two cars. Yeah, I imagine there's more than that. That was the whole engagement that led to that moment was... That's pretty cool. Yeah, off the back of an Instagram post. Yeah. Um, but as I said, we're almost five minutes in and I haven't told anyone who you are. Um, well, they might have read my name. Yeah, but we're giving the audience credit for doing that, <laughs> that amount of research. Um, no, I just mean in the title of the podcast. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. They saw the title and that's more credit than I give anyone in anything these days because I'm not paying enough attention to... Yeah, fair, I don't pay much stuff. attention. I'm like, oh, next one's up, let's go. Um, so th there's only one piece of structure to my whole podcast setup, and that is the question: Who are you, and what do you do? Oh, that's a difficult question. So that's that's it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, my name is Sam Moores. That's who I am. Well, that's my name. Um, what do I do? It's, it's a good question. I constantly wonder what on earth I do. Um, at the moment, I have a podcast. It's called the Car Chat Podcast. Perfect. Go have a look. Um, you might not like it. It's recorded with these mics some of the time. So it'll sound at least this good. No, no, no. Only some of the time because a lot of the time it's over the internet. Oh, um, awesome. But yeah, I, I do a bunch of content around cars. Um, I make the odd video. But at the moment, I spend a lot of time recording and talking to people long form, one, two hours in the car space um, about their lives and cars and stuff like that. It sounds really familiar. <laughs> um, I wonder if there are any other similar podcasts out there. <laughs> so how have you gotten into that? Because obviously, well, not obviously, this is a power people might be finding you that might not necessarily have found you before. Mm. Your handles for everything are all Sam Moore's photo. Yep. So how have you gone from taking photos to doing podcasts? How has that transition happened? Um. So I studied engineering, studied mechanical engineering at uni. Um, with a view to going into I don't know, finance or something. Mm -hmm. um, and then sort of digressed into a lot of skiing. Um, I, was a ski <laughs> I was a ski instructor for a bit. Um, went and actually did some ski instructing in New Zealand with a character on the internet known as Shmi150. Um, or Tim Burton, as I know, we've been friends for a long time. Anyway, he, he started filming some cars with a camera and was like, Sam, why don't you come along to these events? And I kind of like cars, but I wasn't, I wasn't nerdy. I didn't know model codes. I, I couldn't tell you generational differences. I would maybe go, that's a Lamborghini or that's a Ferrari. And I, I might have vaguely known what it was, but I didn't, didn't know too much at the time. I started going to the events with Tim um, during this time, I've, I've been interested in photography. Yeah. Um, definitely in the skiing, I kind of, that was quite a good sort of background for practicing photography and trying to get better photos. So I ended up with loads of good photos of my mates and really rubbish photos of myself, which I think anyone that takes photos case, is the case. It's the case now, like I've got amazing family photos. I'm just not in any of them. Um, and so I started going to events with Tim. He was recording stuff on a little, little handy cam and taking photos and sort of over the years he's progressed and exploded on that scene 
Um, and I keep taking photos and yeah, ended up taking photos of cars. Um, sort of didn't, uni didn't really work out for me. I didn't kind of, just didn't engage with it that well. Yeah. Um, and now, so yeah, I went through a period of taking lots of photos of cars. I still do some, not so much. It's more kind of as and when I kind of do bigger stuff less often now. Um, and it's quite a good backing into the other stuff. So I started making some videos on YouTube, which doesn't really earn any money, but it gets me to, I get to meet some really cool people and I get to do some really cool things just from that side of it. Um, throughout the whole process, I've made friends with a lot of the sort of big name YouTuber, UK YouTubers from early doors. Just like when everyone was running around London, taking photos of cars on yeah, Sloan it was all about Street the cars, or whatever. Was it, wasn't it? Yeah, like, exactly. That's how it all started from most most of the big names these days. Yeah, so whether it was Tim, Sashmi, Sam, Steve Through Glass, uh, Paul, Steve Through Glass of London, those those guys were all like running around, and we'd or uh, Alex Penfold, he's, he's from that that period, um, good photographer. If you've not come across him, gets to take some pictures of some awesome stuff and some pretty cool photos. Um, so it did sort of built up all of that. Um, that's how I got to know all those people. And then one of the people I started taking photos for was the Gumball 3000. Yeah. Through a loose connection, someone I knew ended up being like an intern there and they needed a photographer and she was like, you uh, take pictures of cars, right? Yeah. Do you want to come on the Gumball 3000? So did that. Did that for like, I think I did six, five or six Gumballs in various capacities, met some amazing people. Um, that was by far the most, the coolest part of the whole thing. Like, yeah, there's some crazy stuff, but mainly just, I've met some awesome people that have enabled me to do some really cool things Yeah. in the interim. Um, and then realized I was just, I was having conversations with people all the time about cars, talking nonstop. I'm sure a lot of your listeners do the same with, they've got a mate that's into it. Um, and I was consuming a lot of podcasts. I like, long form content yep. i like getting to sort of get behind the facade get behind the you know like a typical interview situation you might see in a magazine is someone will have sat down and had a conversation like this hmm. you know for an hour or something and then they boil it down to 400 words in a magazine or, or five questions or something like literally the the thing you're reading is literally five incredibly structured questions. And that, that for me, doesn't tell you anything about the people, anything about the process, anything about why they do it. It's just really skin deep. Um, so I was consuming a lot of podcasts and then just decided, I think I was chatting to James, Mr. JWW. I was vaguely talking about it. And he was like, well, you should just do it. And then I was like, okay, I should just do this. So <laughs> I think I recorded six or so yeah just kind of reaching out to people i knew and i'm sure that you've done similar with this at the beginning you're like okay who do i know who might come on this and who might be interesting um and it's generally starts off with who might come on this <laughs> and then you you start to work on the rest the other aspects um so recorded i don't know six episodes or something and then was like right okay i've run out of friends yeah um oh, now i'm gonna have to speak to I, I can't i can't loop back around i'm gonna have to speak to people i don't know yeah and or and possibly haven't met before 
have had no communication with whatsoever. So that's been a big learning process. And then now, and throughout all of that, it's kind of developing your, I'm trying to, I don't necessarily get it right, but trying to develop my sort of interviewing, podcasting skills. Um, and yeah, we're now, I don't know, 150 in, Amazing. something like that. Um, and I I kind of look at that number and go, That's, this is insane. Like, like they're all one and a half hours. A lot of them are two hours. Yeah, yeah. Some are three. Like, okay, they're probably a bit long, but like, it's kind of weird looking back, but I still have the same situation now where I'm starting the new sort of season. I've, I've t done it in seasons because I want to have a break. Yeah. I need a break. Um, and if I don't have a break of some sort, I go mad. Um, <laughs> and I kind of lose all like perspective on everything. Um, so I take, at the moment, I take two months off from publishing, yeah. which is quite different to taking two months off because you're not, I'm not stopping. But two months off from pu publishing, January, February, and then it, we come back in on the first Monday of March. But I, I look at the year now and go... I got you on the 1st of March. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the next episode starts, I don't know when this is going to go live, but it will go live on the 6th. Right. Um, I think this will be after that. Yeah. I, I have done the thing where I do it every two weeks. Like every two like weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got a little bit of a buffer. That's good. That that would be the one thing I say to anyone that's making content. Like, you've got to keep doing it. Mm. That's obviously step one. But pick a time scale that you can do and and then you can add to that. Yeah. Like, whether you, if you've gone, I imagine for you, like, how's it been for you? You've done... I'm going to do every two weeks. Did you say that from the beginning? No, no. So this started in lockdown as, so I was watching the VinWiki videos. Mm. I thought, oh, they, they're quite interesting. Yeah, they are good. Uh, and I've had a couple of interesting stories. And I probably know a few people that have had some interesting stories. So the idea was it'll be like half hour, share some stories. We'll do almost like a UK version. And then I very quickly realized that... Half an hour is not long enough. <laughs> no, half an hour is not long enough. I've got about three interesting stories, so that's not really enough. Once you start yeah. actually talking, you yeah. go, I've only got like three really cool. Like I said, we got the fastest speeding record ticket in France when I was like 15 and I was passenger ride. <laughs> the, the story about the P1 GTR. Yeah. Um, and that's probably about it. <laughs> Like, I've got like a couple of really interesting stories and then they're all just like oh I saw this car or I went out in this car yeah, I did yeah, this yeah. I did that so it kind of it started as me with my iPhone on my way to work in lockdown because I was still working yeah and I mounted it on the dashboard of the car ran my headphones cable to my mm. the, the audio thing because it's got that little microphone and I'm very much with everything that I've done let's have a go and we'll learn this as yeah. we as we go so anybody Start. yeah just just have a go have a go you'll probably be really shit at it but then, then you will yeah and then you'll get better because <laughs> you'll realize the bits that work and the bits that don't work yeah. and um what's kind of come to light is that i think i might have adhd and this really leans into a lot of that stuff where it's like just have a go learn it and then uh, tacona is probably the longest like thing that i've not got bored of mm. which is great because i'm trying to do something good with it so i think that kind of keeps me going yeah because if it was just like oh I like drawing cars and I got bored of that in about a year and moved on to something else. But because it's a bit more altruistic, then I, I'm kind of like, no, I have a duty to keep doing this. Yeah. And then it forces me to to be interested still. Um, but yeah, it was literally filmed it in the car with my iPhone. And then I did two or three of those. And then a friend of mine was building a V8 swapped GT86. Nice. 
and another friend has a Fiat 500R Bath that he's put like Ferrari wheels on and done some bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my mate has a cafe. So I was like, oh, why don't you just pop over to the cafe and we'll just sit down and have a chat. Yeah. And it just kind of went from there. And then it was, oh, I'll ask a couple of people that I've met in the car world yeah. now that I'm building a bit of a name. And they very kindly said yes. So like Alex Coy was like, yeah, sure, let's have a go. And we did it over Zoom. And it's kind of grown from there. And I go to enough car events and I meet enough car people to be able to go, oh, you fancy at some point just yeah. sitting down for a couple of hours? And people are often very nice and will agree to. Um, and every so often I'll send an email to like a big fish and their PA it's will hoping, come back. Hoping. Yeah. Well, it was one of those like, I met, I'm going to set up a bit more because I feel like I'm really, really laid down. I met someone quite well known and we got chatting and they said yes it's like great and then they handed my business card to their pa yeah. and they're like contact him i was like ah oh, no because <laughs> that's never happening so i gave it six months and then i emailed their pa and said look we've met they've said yes let's get it in the diary oh sounds great i'm sure we can find a space in the diary how many listeners do you get i was like it's just me bumbling around <laughs> It's not, it's not it's not massive i'm not getting millions <laughs> a because nobody knows who i am b because the name of my brand is obscure so you have to know who i am to know what to look for and c because i'm not doing it with any budget i'm not doing it with a professional like it's just me and my laptop bumbling around except for today where we're using your equipment so it's not huge i'm not going to turn around and go oh, i've got a million listeners and no then, one has no and then you just don't hear back because they're expecting yeah. numbers to justify it and i was like I asked the person direct, I if that should supersede this conversation, can we not just do what you've it's been so told? It's so tricky, please? that isn't it? Yeah, it's like, and then you you sort of like we're, my podcast when it's running, it's doing reasonably well, mm. and you can point to the iTunes charts and go, "This is where we are," or whatever. But you look at the numbers in terms of listeners and versus the other internet stuff. Oh yeah, like you YouTube videos, it to YouTube. It's tiny, box. but then if you look at it's, you just have to sort of go, okay, who can I get? And then try and go, you, you know, you reach out every now and then, like once a month or two times a month or whatever. I'll just reach out to like, who knows, you know? Yeah. Tom Cruise, just go for it. Send some emails. You never know, like, um, you never know whether the stars might have aligned. Like that person could be nearby with a bit of time, just as you happen to be saying, oh, you got any time? And it, it all it takes is a the right timed message from the go. Oh yeah, that that's yeah. it's not going to inconvenience me. Why don't we just get it done? Yeah, you've got to keep asking. Ideally, provide some some reason why they might want to do it. Yeah, and then just keep asking. And then I've I've started to learn that if someone doesn't reply, that's not it's not because they hate you. Yeah, you know, it's nothing. It actually says nothing about you. I had that thought when because I messaged you on Roadster. Yeah. And we had a little bit of a chat and then it, we both have been busy. I was like, oh. And I literally don't me. use that app anymore. And that app is one that you have to kind of consciously use because it's not yeah. Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. And there's so many other things that will draw your attention. It's one of those, it's like, oh, I need to check in on that one. Yeah. And I was checking in a lot because at one point they sponsored my car meets. So mm. I was like, right, I'm going to really try and push on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is one that you have to kind of go, oh, there's a couple of notifications. It'll probably be like the three likes that photos yeah. get because it's still a growing and it's very niche as to what it's doing. Um. I'm probably a bit far away. Is that better? Oh, yeah, it's good. It's good. My voice is very deep sometimes. Yeah, the closer you get, the more <laughs> sort of ASMR yeah. it gets. My other half says that my voice has, sits at a certain frequency that it just travels. 
<laughs> so yeah, she's like, yeah, we could be in a restaurant same. and she's in the bathroom and she's like, I can hear you. I can hear every word you've said because it just, it sits so like low, but not un, like yeah, 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 too yeah. low. So it just I think this through. will be quite an audio, audioly, uh, I'm not thinking the right word, Audibly? pleasing. I think some, well, you can comment people listening going, are these voices horrific to listen to? Yeah. I don't think so. I personally don't like my own voice. Well, no one likes their own voice. Like some people really like their own voice. <laughs> some people like the sound of their own voice. Yeah, yeah. I don't know whether some people like really the things like their that they say, though. but not Do necessarily they? the way that it sounds. Um, so I find it really difficult to listen to these, and that means that most of mine go out like as is. There's not a thorough. Oh wow! Oh, I'm really winging it. Like no, but it's quite good to. <laughs> yes, I get I get 100 percent what you're saying. I think I edited 50 something like that. Hmm. And I learned a lot in the process of listening to them because I realized things that I said and did that were annoying. Right, yeah. So from like, you sort of have to critique yourself. Whereas if you never listen to them, you may miss some of the things that you do. Yeah. I think I'm in a position where I self-analyze so much that I probably, I'm already like naturally doing that just from talking. So it's I used to say possibly um, a lot. I used mm. to really go in with it. Uh, and then I kind of listened to one podcast I was on. I was like, I'm never saying that word again. That's it. That's it. You have to, every now and then, you have to hear it and get that reminder or whatever it is to not do that. Yeah. I know I do. that. That's a particularly good one. A lot of people do that. I do that sometimes. Um, yeah. I haven't it, edited one in a while. It's a bit of a learning curve to, if you haven't got a th the words there, just be quiet rather than... Uh, yeah. And Talk it, slower. Yeah. Um, see? Straight away. <laughs> but I had the thought of what I was going to say, and then I it arrived quicker than my mouth. Is what it is. So my brain said it, but my mouth just went, <laughs> Have you found certain kind of skills in having conversations with people since doing this more? Because obviously you're having really long conversations with people. Yes. Great. What, the <laughs> what are they? I'm not sure. Um so don't say that. It's a really tricky one. I find I'm now more comfortable just having done it a lot of times. I'm more comfortable doing it. It's like anything. You're going to be more comfortable. But if you get someone, let's say you're Jeremy Clarkson or someone agrees to do it, Lewis Hamilton, you're going to be ripping it, aren't you? You're going to be like, oh, I better not mess this one up. This could be the podcast that gets the most views, yeah. the most listens of any, so let's not mess this up. So you're going to get apprehensive. I find the more prep I do, the better they go. Right. Um, just because if you're trying to pitch a long conversation that you, you need to do a certain amount of research, I don't do tons, but often the people I'm talking to, I might know a bit about them or I know a bit about their industry so I've got some questions and stuff. Um, and and I sort of, I in front of me have like quite a long list of things that I think I want to talk about. And I try, this is where it gets sort of interesting. I try and link stuff. Right. Without just going, we're having a conversation about this. Stop. Now we're having a conversation. Now we're having a conversation about this. I, you try and go, because mine have a sort of format. It's like generally journey to date, but whatever else comes up along the way and that can help sometimes to sort of link some stuff but i don't know it's 
I can't off the top of my head think of things. There's lots of technical stuff yep. in terms of recording and how I do it and all that sort of stuff that I've learned and improved and my setup has changed quite a lot over the years. But it, in terms of recording in person, it's not drastically different. It's just got a bit, it's gone a slightly higher up the yeah. sort of the gear we use. Um, I think that's quite natural. Like I started with my Apple headphones that came with my phone and now I've got Rode mics. Yeah, which isn't quite the same as the setup that we've got here, but this would be like the next. But this would be rubbish in a car. Yeah, it'd be quite difficult to do on the move. Yeah, or walking I, around. <laughs> I recorded one of these in a Fiat Panda, like a, an original one, yeah. for three hours in a car park, and I think this would that would have been terrible with these mics because everything would have sounded different. Whereas my little Rode mics, which are very localized to your throat, basically, they work because they're kind of designed for being out and about and on the move. Yeah, this year, and you need to plug this in. Yeah, which I I, I don't think a Fiat Panda's battery that's, would have lasted. Yeah, that's it. something I need to work out. It's, it, can I do it in an EV? Well, if you get the Honda City E, if it's got the E. Yeah, that's the got City, the three-pin three plug. plug. Yeah, we plugged a Nintendo Switch into that. <laughs> nice, yeah. Because it's got the screens as well and a HDMI port. Yeah, they do. Um, that would be... Podcast car. <laughs> I, I did think it would make zero financial sense in any shape or form, but if, if VW... Would give me an ID buzz. Oh, I passed one of those today on the way here. Um, they're cool. They are cool. They seem bigger in the photos. Like, I, I, I don't know whether I've it, seen one. It see it looked narrower and shorter on the road. Really? Rather it, than a big old massive. T6. Yeah, it looks huge in the photos. And then you're on the motor and you're like, oh, it's not as big as I thought it was going to be. What do you think of that car? It's all right. It seems more of a stylistic exercise than a... Like an actual revolutionary thing. I feel like it's, yeah, it's definitely not revolutionary. I think it's not there yet for me. Yeah. Like I like the concept. I I think everyone driving around in massive SUVs, battery SUVs, is just kind of mental. But that sort of car, you know, your MP classic sort of MPV that yeah. everyone used to own, uh. An electric one that's kind of cool. It's got lots of interior space. You can move the stuff around. You know, it's your family car. Like, so what? Like, you want to be able to use it. Yeah, it's like a modern version of like an Aspas. Yeah. More than anything. Which had a lot of Spas in them. <laughs> oh, loads of Spas. Um, too much Spas for most people. Yeah, probably. Probably. But it, something like that, if you turn the seats around, so yeah. they were facing each other in the rear, with a podcast set up in it. Perfect. That would be sweet for... I occasionally, and, and you're doing it today, you know, you go to someone else's and you can't control anything. Yeah. Here, we're actually all right. Um, well, but, I came to a podcaster's, so yeah, who if anyone's going to know but, how to do it. But who doesn't record that much at home like this? Really? No, I, I do most of the stuff over the internet. internet. Yeah. I suppose it's convenient for travel. It's convenient for everybody. Yeah. I just, it's, I, I've, I've done a lot remotely now and I kind of want to do some more in person. But when you do video, it's, it's it's horrific doing it in person, like just without a dedicated setup studio. Yeah. Um, Whereas if you had an ID Buzz, then you could have cameras mounted that are kind of sat. Like, it would be a pretty legit way of doing it. Yeah. And I know a few, a few. I think someone uh, car throttle. Did you see that they they had a podcast at one point? They had a podcast they had a at van. one point. I didn't know they had a van. They had a I van. thought they were just met up because one of them lives in the village that I used to live in. Oh really? Another one lives not that far from there. And then a third one pops along to our coffees and cars every so often. Oh, right. It's really weird because I don't I, I don't have much time to watch stuff. 
Yeah. So unless it's like Shmi or Alex Kirsten or someone like that knocking around, I probably won't know who people are. Yeah. Because I uh, just don't consume anything. I'm too busy bumbling around and trying to do yeah. stuff. And if I'm not trying to do this sort of stuff, I'm doing actively kind of dangerous sports because it's quite exciting. What what actively dangerous sports do you do? Oh, because of the ADHD thing, it changes. Um, so <laughs> I, used to do a lot of mountain, I used to do a lot of mountain biking. Okay. And then I really got into rock climbing. Oh, so I used nice. To do a lot of rock climbing. Um, and then I kind of fell into doing jujitsu. Probably because I listened to a bit That's of Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was on the road a lot. So I was like, oh, I'll listen to podcasts. And then got into that. And How's then, that been? It's something I'd really like to give a go. It's, give a go. So I started it. I moved to Brighton for a job. So I didn't know anyone. And I was like, well, I could do something that's good for me. I can meet new people. It's not just cars, because cars are, yeah, you meet people and everything. But then your whole world is stuck in one social yes. dynamic. And it, I I used to go to the gym all the time. So it's like, it's good exercise. And it, it's a skill that it can't hurt to know, because, you know, no, not if at anything all. happens, if you know how to defend yourself, it's probably quite good for you. Um, and I, I had previously worked in high secure hospitals, so I okay. I knew how to kind of be in an environment of danger. Because mm. oh, this this sounds like it might be right, and I really fell into it. But the challenge I had was that the beginner sessions were only like they're only two a week, and I have this like addictive personality. Like, I need thing, to do it. So I, was like, I need to do more. And fortunately, they had an MMA gym as well that was like owned by the same gym. So if you had the membership to the jujitsu gym, you also had free access to it. Okay, them. yeah. So then I started doing that. Nice. And then that's even more exciting. So I started doing that even more. So I was doing like four hours a day. Wow. Every day. <laughs> so I had nothing else to do. Yeah, 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 I was living on my own in Brighton. My other half was like up in um, Bista. So we were uh, five days a week. I was on my own and needed to make friends. So I just play. fell into it and really loved it. The thing is, it gives you a false sense of confidence. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Because you're like, yeah, I know how to fight. And it's like you've been doing it for six months and you're <laughs> like, yeah, I'm bloody like, I'm it man now. And I, I, the raid, I could, I could do that. <laughs> so you kind of have this false sense of confidence and that accompanied with where I used to work, which also gives you a bit of a false sense yeah. of confidence. And you feel like you're Billy Big Boggocks. And then you meet someone who actually knows how to fight and they go, right, spar with me then. And they just immediately like, yeah. you're on the floor. You don't know what what's going on. And it, it's really quite humbling. So it forces discipline which is quite good for the brain as well because it forces you to kind of have control a yeah. bit more. It was great. And I, it was just before 2020. So it's, I got really into it. Then yeah. the lockdowns happened and we moved to Essex. So I've had to kind of put off starting again. Oh, that's annoying. And then since then, the, the Tacona stuff's really grown. So all my time is now focused. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, God focused in that direction so i'm like trying to find the right balance to be able to get back into it because mm. i know once i start i'll really get back into it again and then i'm in this oh i've lost every evening ever because i'm doing a, a sport that keeps me engaged that's it, good isn't it it's good it's not great for relationships because you're probably yeah. supposed to spend time with each other yeah, I, I found that tricky from like first time my other half moved in to being like oh you want to hang out with me in the evening like I, I'm one of those people that if all choice was mine, I would get up at like, I don't know, eight, nine and go to bed at 11, 12, yeah. one. Like that would be my natural sort of tendency or, or was for a long time. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Like I think I'm most productive between about four o'clock in the afternoon and 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. 
Like that's a great time. My own little world. Headphones on. Music turned up. Yeah. Off we go. I'm I'm I'm, I'm productive. Which isn't great if you work a normal job because you then only got an hour of productivity. And that's that's yeah 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 absolutely. And then also like, if you're trying to communicate with other people, it only gives you one chance a day. Like okay, you get that with normal people, but as in if you only really start in the evenings, there's lots of things you can't do in the evening. Yeah, that just you can't call someone and they will they will not answer the phone. Like I've switched off. I've finished work now and I'm <laughs> yeah. done. The, the the flip side of that is if you are working in an environment where you're working with other people that work like you, everybody's awake at that time. Yes. So if you're collaborating with other creatives, other people in the industry that work for themselves and they have kind of jurisdiction over when they're available, you probably find that you've got a really targeted availability for people that you're after. Because let's say you and I, for example, were trying to collaborate on something. We both know, oh, well, seven o'clock in the evening is fine because we're both switched on and we're off and away it's only if you're trying to kind of conform to the normal timings and stuff and working with say businesses or people who yeah. work for companies in the in the right space yeah definitely definitely me and my pre-married pre now i've got a kid state 100 <laughs> percent. now it's like i'm awake at 6 30 every morning and i go to bed much earlier yeah and i generally work there's never an hour where like i probably won't send an email or something but i'm generally like mainstream work hours now yeah just to try and like get that family time right um yeah, it's, it's really awful growing up and having responsibilities to be fair i know it's, it seems mad because i don't feel like it oh me neither like it's my 30th this year and i'm booking i'm planning a trip down to le mans because it's the centenary and it all lines mm. up around my birthday but I'm having this regular realization that 30 is an actual adult age. Yeah, 20 year olds look at you and they say you're old. Yeah. Like, and you're like, piss off. Yeah. Whippersnapper. And they, and exactly. Like, oh, no, I said the thing. Oh, crap. Um, and it's that realization, oh, I should probably be more grown up than I am. And then at the same time, like, why? What's the point? Just enjoy what you do. Yeah, just do your stuff. And then if you, you know, occasionally you have to grow up a little bit or grow up. Is that the right word? I don't know. You have to deal with things in a mature manner otherwise they don't get done properly you yeah. know you're like i've got this responsibility i need to take care of this responsibility otherwise no one else will yeah and then if it doesn't go right it's on you but you kind of have control over the outcome better yeah and you've got to own it I, I guess that's the best part of kind of in inverted commas growing up or at least becoming more responsible is that you go right i know how to take control of a situation i know what i want this to do so i can then go well oh, i'll do it myself then and you don't have to rely on someone that should know better than you to to do it for you. Yeah, it's like sending, you know, we were talking about sending emails or I, I occasionally get people ask me about whatever it is. Oh, I want to do what you want to do or you do and all that sort of stuff. And you're like, okay, start. Like, yeah, but I don't know people. And I'm like, yes, okay, but I don't know 90 something percent of the people that I interact with. So you've got to go and yeah, like, you, you know, you did to me, like get in touch start the things you've got to do it no one else is going to do it for you yeah and that's probably the the biggest challenge in growing up is realizing that point of uh, the book stops with me if i want something i kind of have to pull a finger out and do that yeah and we have things that we're intrinsically good at and like doing and things that we don't like doing yeah like emails and spreadsheets yeah and it's doing the, doing the other things that don't resonate well with you if you can delegate that to someone else brilliant yeah like amazing 
because it might be their thing. They might love it and then you're way ahead or just accepting that you've just got to do it and you've got to come up with some sort of process mechanism so that you do it at the right time or something. I don't know. I'm still working it out. My, my other half's a psychologist, so I get professional <laughs> advice on how to do things every so often. And we were talking about this yesterday and she said, if you want, she was talking to someone in the day about how to create habits mm. and the way to kind of trick yourself into building a habit is to give yourself a reward at the end of it. Okay. Yeah. So the the example she gave is that what forces her to go to the gym and for the gym to become a habit is that she'll call me on her way home from the gym because okay. we we our days kind of finish at different yeah. points, and she looks forward to that phone call so it makes her go to the gym. Nice. Because she knows that she's going to like that at the end. So for building kind of habits, a really good way to kind of not necessarily trick yourself but to enforce them on yourself is to give yourself a designated reward. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, you get a gold star on a chart because that inherently gets very boring very quick. But it's something that becomes part of that habit is a positive thing. Um, like listening to your favorite podcast in the gym, making gym time the podcast time because yeah. then you're like, oh, I'm going to the gym, but it means that I get to do this thing that I really enjoy doing. And that's a really good kind of piece of life advice from a professional, not me. I'm third partying this. Yeah, I, I, I find that completely. Like I have an audio book I listen to only when I run. Yeah. And I quite like listening to the audiobook. So it helps me. It gives you, you that know, motivation run. to go for the run. And funnily, actually, I had some. I think this is a one that maybe quite a few people resonate with. If you've been to see a physio because you've got some niggling issue or whatever, I've got a few at the moment, and they give you some exercises. And I think most physios will probably agree most physio exercises are pretty boring and pretty rubbish. Like yeah. they do this, what they intend to, but they are really not very satisfying to do. And they're really mundane. You're not getting any PBs by doing them. No, but you would. If you did them very well, your other PBs would go up. Yeah. Um, so my, my wife and I basically made a star chart. Like <laughs> on the fridge, we've got a whiteboard and we made like a bunch of checkboxes. And we said, when you get to 10 or whatever and you tick it off every time you do it, we're going to go for an ice cream or something. And like pretty simple thing, pretty hilarious, but it helped. It did actually help. Right. I guess you've got another person holding you accountable. That probably helps as well. That, like, that, that, like that for is me, a very If we had the star chart tool. thing and it resulted in an ice cream, I'd be like, I'm, I have money. I can just go and buy myself an ice cream. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes that part out of it by having, oh. You're gamifying it. Yeah. You? They're holding me accountable to doing this. Therefore, I'm going to do it. Like, I have it with my phone at bedtime. I, if I leave my phone in the office and read, and use an alarm clock, my mental well-being is way better. Mm. And even though I know that, it's still a challenge for me to not leave my phone in another room. So I, I have this, like, I will directly ask to be told off if I've yeah. got my phone in bed. The challenge is my other half also has this problem sometimes. Yeah. And we'll both give each other a pass, and then we'll yeah. sit on our phones <laughs> for an hour. And it's like, ah, we've, we've failed. We'll try again next week. <laughs> like, but it's one of those, even though I can tangibly see the difference between having my phone and not having my phone it's still really hard to not have it's my hard phone. yeah it's so it's hard. so addictive <laughs> and they're designed to be in insanely addictive and we you, you, can, you can have like that with that you can have any excuse like i listen to something when i go to sleep and i listen to it via my phone so that's kind of the reason why i'm never going to get rid of my phone and i've not found a good alternative for that particular solution 
the one I, I don't actually, it doesn't bother me when I'm going to sleep because I generally, I kind of like go to bed, read an article or something and it's often on my phone. I'll try and, you know, I, I won't be flicking through Instagram or whatever because then it's another two hours of TikTok the, reels or whatever. That's the challenge, isn't it? Um, but like, if you can stop yourself opening that and then I just go to sleep. But when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is look at my phone and I know that it's really not very good for you. Yeah, that, just, that's the not challenge good for me. that I I found an alarm clock really helped with. Yeah, But obviously, the alarm clock situation only really works if my phone's not physically there. It needs to be somewhere else. Um, because I was putting my alarm clock on top of the wardrobe. You then got to go get you out of bed. got to physically get out of bed to turn it off. And yeah, it, yeah. That, that process really helped in like, right, I'm on my feet now. Yeah. Because um, it used to be like, I'd stay in bed until I ha- I'm going to wet myself. And then I physically have yeah. to get up. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that forces me out because I'm a grown up and I don't want to wet the bed. Um, it's, it's interesting. like, And this is the reason also why my podcast isn't structured in any way. Because we can go on these tangents. And nobody's going to have these conversations if they're structured. Who um, knows? Well, yeah, I, I would be very surprised if one of your podcast questions is, how do you go to bed? <laughs> I've had some weird ones. I've had um, some weird ones. But so. it, it's fun to, like, almost kind of, like you said, gamify life because you then get these little dopamine hits out of it and you feel like you've achieved something and you get the, the Xbox, boom, yeah, 15G points or whatever it's called, when you kind of make those little progress steps and you do things that are good for you and you almost have rewards that aren't necessarily tangible but make a difference over time like having a better sleep pattern and a good routine and things like that and exercising and doing the stuff that's actually good for you most often needs more than just oh it's good for me to do it to make you do it it's really bizarre everyone knows what's good for them and what's not good for them yeah yet from looking at our general population and from everyone I know, we don't do all the things we know are good for us. And we definitely do a lot of things we know are bad for us. So that's not enough, is it? No. And like when I would go back to the Brighton example, when I lived there, I was like, I'm on my own, fresh start, don't know anyone. It's my opportunity to build the perfect structure for my life. And within about three weeks, I was back on the uh, staying up too late, getting yeah. up too late. Playing video crap. games all yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh, I had this opportunity. And I completely messed it up because naturally we don't want to do that somehow and i think we you probably probably have some i i have certain things that like are so i get so into that i kind of just can't even allow myself to do for example a classic one i think for a lot of guys and i'm sure some girls girls will relate um is like you know video games yeah as a younger person i loved freaking loved playstation games whatever all the stuff still enjoy them but i now basically just don't play i have a caveat i play some sim stuff wait you have a sim rig downstairs yeah i do i'm very jealous when i saw (laughs) it's got the force feedback on the Um, yeah so okay i do some driving stuff and i sort of i see that as practice so this is my little get out clause but i for example let's say there's a new assassin's creed game or something comes out I'll get it and then I'll have lost 70 hours of my life. Yeah. And like, I occasionally zoom out and go, but what are you doing? And I enjoy it and they're so good. Like, you get those little rewards, you know, it's like, oh yeah, but then I get the next level and then my character's strong, whatever, all this rubbish. It's really difficult to stop. Yeah. And it's 
it's one reason why I've pretty much never got into online gaming. I've kind of avoided it because I know it never ends. Yeah, yeah. And there's always scope to do more. You can always do more. You can always be better until you're number one. But even if you're number one, you're moving backwards if you're not moving forwards. Yeah. So, I yeah, I sort of carpet ban. I don't do any I online games, really. I have a similar thing with online games and with video games. I think I'm reasonably lucky in that my attention span doesn't hold past completing the story. So yeah, 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 if yeah. I get into a game that's got a really good story yeah. and there's a journey to go on, that's a, uh, that's a problem. I'm, l- I'm losing every night for the next two weeks. Yeah, but what if it's a really long game? That's the challenge. Like with, I started Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah, I think that's I, a big game, I isn't I kind of got going into it and I was like, this is too big of a game. I'm not going to get anything done for the next like six months if, yeah. I, if I get into this game. Unfortunately, it's a slow enough burn that it wasn't keeping me You like, won't get in the hits, yeah. So I, I was able to put it down. But then I'll get something like the latest Far Cry, which yeah. is fast enough paced and it's engaging enough for me to go, oh, I'm, I'm learning, I'm getting better yeah. and better and better. And then that's it, two weeks gone. But they're not big enough to go past that point. So I, I picked up the Hitman, whichever the latest one is, yeah. it's on Game Pass. And fortunately, the first level, they're so open-ended that I've just been wandering around trying to figure out what's going on. So I was able to put it back down again yeah. without being like, yeah, you kind of got a bit bored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that that kind of oh like I can manage that situation. I started with some online games, mainly when I used to work night shifts because I was like, okay. right, I've got a night shift coming tomorrow, so the day before I will force myself to stay up all night playing mm. video games to okay. get my brain into the habit. Okay, and then that became a problem because I was like, well, I'll just do one less night shift and then I'll have another night to play video games <laughs> and I'll, I'll get better and I'll get better and I'll get better and I got really good and then I was like, oh, now I'm going to try and improve my rank and then again, it was like, ah, oh, this isn't healthy, this isn't good, let's let's tone it back and find a more productive outlet. And if that's it. your thing, like if, if you're like, I'm going to become a video game YouTuber or whatever and it's like, that is a thing and you're putting output and it, you see some like real world stuff come out of it, you know, happy days, that's great. Yeah. But like you doing jujitsu or whatever, I, I know whether I do it or not, I know I would way rather do something like that. Yeah. Learn a new actual skill. Like, okay, you know, let's just park video games because it's a long conversation. But We're going to upset too many people if we can. Yeah, and, and like, I think they're fun. I think you can do a lot with them. I think you can make a lot of money with them, whatever. But... I would rather go and learn an actual skill that I've then got or something different or and interact with humans in person. Um, that's something I've learned with doing a lot of interviews over the internet. Like They're pretty good. And they're, it's really helpful from a timing point of view. And last year with my baby being tiny, I, I, just, I wanted to be around and I didn't have very much time. So I could just go, right, I'm going to go record something, which is like a four second walk to my office. Turn everything on, record it, press stop, and walk back downstairs and you're at home. Yeah. Rather than drive, you know, an hour and a half each way and set up the stuff and whatever. You lose so much time of like not engaging time, Mm -hmm. not learning something, doing something, having fun, whatever. It's just dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's three hours of motorway. Yeah. And I get so much out of doing that, but I forget. I forget that I get so much out of learning new things and doing new things. Yeah, and it's one of those 
once you get onto doing something new or something that you've not done for a while, you're kind of like, oh, I, I remember why I enjoyed this so much. Yeah. Or I, I, I know why I enjoy doing these kind of things. And then you have the, I'm going to do this more and then more. And then you, then you have the video game situation. You're like, All right, I need to yeah. do this in a structured manner again. Otherwise, I'm going to not see my other half for six hours every day or whatever. Um, and it's the, so we went uh, rock climbing for Valentine's Day because we had a voucher. And then within like yes. half an hour, I was like, oh, I want to do this again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, maybe I'll buy the shoes again. <laughs> and then it's like, when am I going to have the time? It takes so much. There's so much like work to just get good at the basics in a lot of this sort of stuff. Same with jujitsu. You have to really put the hours in to learn the essentials. Yeah. And then you've got to get the strength. Yeah, especially with rock climbing. That's a real kind of, you've got to have the strength. You've got to have the calluses on your hand to be able to do it for more than 20 minutes. Yeah. Like if you don't have calluses on your hand and you go rock climbing, like I've got calluses now from an hour's session three weeks ago or two weeks ago, whenever it was. It's if you amazing. don't have that on your hands and you go rock climbing, if you do anything other than straight up a wall on really nice, easy to do bits, it is agony and you will feel the skin on your fingers. It's insane, it. isn't it? Yeah. Like I used to do, I used to do quite a bit of bouldering. Yeah. For like a couple of years, we'd go reasonably regularly. And at that time I was like, quite strong from gym type stuff and whatever and that sort of thing um but you get good your hands and your forearms and stuff yeah, yeah. get really good at holding on for a really long time and then you take a year off or something or pandemic or whatever and you go back and you try it and you're like i've got the same technical knowledge yeah like it might have faded a little bit you know you might be losing a bit but i've got a rough idea of what i'm doing but i just can't hold on and holding on becomes so much harder yeah yeah it's not just like i've got to squeeze harder it's like you just can't do it yeah i just don't have that capability yeah. anymore and, and that's exactly what i found like the technical stuff i know how to adjust my weight so that i can reach in different ways yeah. and all that sort of stuff but you're on you're then on an overhang and you just you physically yeah your hand just won't hold it's, it's a really weird feeling. it is isn't it i know i can do this but my hand is like no that doesn't that yeah. facility doesn't exist yeah, for it's, you it's gone you need to unlock that again you're like, oh, and you get great. calluses in really funny places don't you it's, it's like all the pads isn't it yeah it's yeah. like there 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 but yeah, then you'll get them on your fingertips as well and then there and then obviously your fingertips um like, you'll also get them across the center of your hand every so often as well really? yeah if you get onto some really big big yeah. like jug holds but they're all your weight hanging on them if you do that enough you get them across the center yeah, of your yeah, hand. yeah yeah i can see that I had like bulletproof fingers from playing the guitar. Oh yeah. Um, which is another thing I've sort of lapsed a little bit, but like the ends of my fingers over time just became this like different material. Really thick. But I, I never found with, I think I probably, I just didn't do it for long enough with climbing that I ever got past the point. Cause your skin, I'd get calluses, but then I would get blisters under. Yeah. Like you skip the callus almost like separates from your finger, doesn't it? And you get blisters and stuff underneath your calluses and you're like what the hell and now this hurts great and now it just hurts anyway and so you end up you know taping your fingers all the time and whatever and all that stuff I, fun though i started doing bouldering when i was like 16 so i would leave the tape on and go to college the next day because i thought <laughs> it was cool people are like why have you got white tape oh, I've, I've ripped all the skin off my finger have you not washed your hands since no no <laughs> and it's like that's gross I'm like yeah well i'm tough yeah but i'm cool yeah you know, tough i go rock climbing you're like, yeah you're still really skinny this is not a strength it's not a sport that builds up masses of muscle and makes you look big and intimidating it's good for youtube channels now 
What do you mean? If you're a, a professional rock climber, yeah, and you go and challenge people to stuff, right? It makes great YouTube videos. I don't know whether you've seen. There's a guy called. Can't remember what his name is. Apologies. Anyway, a little Scandinavian dude who's like really good, really good. Was a professional climber, um, but he'll go and challenge like Eddie Hall. Oh Eddie yeah. Hall's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to a grip competition, like picking. And this guy's like small and jacked, but not you know, he's not. He's not Eddie Hall. He's not Eddie Hall. Yeah. He's not picking up five hundred kilos off the ground, but they'll get various like grip devices, and you've got to lift them up off the floor. And he like relative because you're a climber your fingers are so strong like on another level to anyone that thinks they've got strong hands yeah specifically at small uh, like weird holds yeah like one finger pull-ups and stuff like that it's a weird ability to have yeah. learned and then your forearms are all weird shapes because you get like little lumpy yeah. muscles in different <laughs> yeah, places yeah, and yeah. Stuff like that. you get lumps in places you're like i didn't know that the lump, yeah. there was places like there was muscles there yeah i thought that was just bone apparently it's not <laughs> Like I've seen the videos where they're out on the streets and they challenge people to pick like almost like um, a full bar but from one end. Oh, okay. A, a 20 kilo bar isn't very oh, really heavy hard. unless you're holding it at one end Yeah. because weight inherently further away is really hard. And they'll get like random challenges like that. And there was one where it was like, it's like a bar that snaps in the middle, but it's got a lot of resistance. So okay. to actually bend it in the middle it takes a lot of strength. Yeah, yeah. And they were going up to like people that clearly go to the gym and big guys yeah. and they're really struggling. And then this like random middle-aged like builder looking bloke wanders over and he's like, what's this then? We have to bend it in the middle. It's really hard. And he just does it immediately. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, that was easy. What, what's the challenge? And they're like, what in there? Like, he's just like, yeah, this is super simple. I don't know why this is a challenge. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting one. At the moment I'm going through like a kind of health fitness sort of revival or whatever. I, I used to go to the gym loads. Um, have do, you hit an age milestone and it's brought it right back into your attention or is it because no, you're, you're no 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 i think it was it was pandemic yeah so i couldn't go to the gym prior to that i used to go a couple of times a week and i was quite into things like you know muscle ups and rings and, and that's like calisthenic style yeah but also like i wanted to squat deadlift bench all that kind of stuff um it was all going great pa pandemic stopped started doing some running hurt my knees i think that's pretty much what happens to everyone yeah weirdly going from doing no running to Too an insane running. amount of loading in a short period of time things like tendons and stuff just go like what are you doing yeah um so then had weird issues like that wasn't really training couldn't go to the gym i think we all sort of anyone that started trying to train at home you then overdo you overdo whatever you, the thing is you can do. Yeah. So you hurt other stuff. Um, so I ended up with like, like a tricep issue that is I'm working on now. But like I couldn't lift any. I couldn't lift a bar or anything slightly heavy for like two years. <laughs> and I just, I've just been trying to like work it out. Um, so going through like a lot of that sort of stuff. Um, but where I'm at now is I want to be functionally fit. I want to be like fit for life. Yeah, yeah. Like that sort of situation, that guy, like builder is like a typical example of someone who's just moved or like farmer type strength. They move heavy things they a lot. move loads from weird angles all the time. Like if you're a power lifter, you're, you're pretty strong. But like you're really strong at a certain movement in a certain plane in a certain way and you can lift an insane amount of weight. Now, they're going to be strong in other positions, but if you gave them an exercise they'd never done before, yeah. they're probably not going to be that good at it, 
because they've got specifically trained like movement and muscle haven't they where so my my granddad was a builder and my auntie's ex-husband was a, a like a bodybuilder mm. and for whatever reason they needed to move a log but like a, yeah. a very big log. so my granddad and he was like oh you're big help me move yeah. this log my granddad just walks up and picks it up off the floor and my my auntie's ex-husband couldn't get it off the floor he's like i, I how i yeah. don't know why you my grandma's like it's not heavy you just you just bend down you just pick <laughs> it up and he's like no when it got his weight belt from the <laughs> boot of his car and like just tightened his back up and everything and really struggled and in the end my granddad just shoved him away and just dragged the log himself That's so he's funny. like this was a two-man job and now i'm gonna have to do it myself and just moved it and this guy just couldn't understand it and it's because like you say they spend all their time just moving stuff in different ways and in different places and so their bodies are just strong just in every direction it's just yeah. strong and that's that's it like i think as something as you get older when you're young you don't get injured that often yeah and you're like uh, uh, you know a pr to you is like a, a huge thing whatever the number is that you say you can bench or deadlift if you're into the gym yeah, yeah that's like the number you stand by you know you're defined by that number no one else in the gym gives a shit they no. do not care could not care less what your number is because they care about their own number yeah, yeah. um and then i think i've realized chasing stuff like that is a great way to get injured and it's not a great way to be doing it when you're 70 no because you're inherently going to be trying to push and push and push and push and push yeah and like you can get really strong and stay really strong just don't do the stupid stuff like one rep maxes like that there's no need yeah there's just no need to do that anything that, that thing other than like what are you training for being trapped under a car like what's the what's and the like, end goal you could do a five rep max max or a 10 rep max and you know you know that you can do that for 10 like you are that strong or whatever yeah um, so yeah that's where I'm, I'm at at the moment trying to just get better at like feeling less like a, a typical sort of dad i feel like i've <laughs> my body has aged significantly since since having a child which is weird because it's you significantly worse child for, either. for yeah for <laughs> women exactly somehow you've got baby weight <laughs> Yeah, I've got baby weight, and then like I realized picking a small object that's n actually not that light and chucking them around. You're like, oh no, I actually need to pick him up like slightly correctly, not just lean over, drag him from one side of the room to the other. That's not generally how I move him around, but you know, that's sort of pick up a heavy weight from a weird angle and then yeah, just yeah. move it to the other. You that's go, also that's wriggling. Just like gonna put my shoulder out. No, that that's quite good life advice. Is get strong so that you can pick your kids up without hurting yourself. Yeah, because like, you can't pick my them up back's getting sore. Like I need to sort something out so I don't have a, like a bad back. <laughs> but to to try and bring this back towards the conversation of cars, <laughs> yeah, which is yeah. probably where we should have been going. That's where we started uh, yeah. for fifty minutes ago. Yeah, like I had I had Paul Cowland on recently, and it, that episode will be out before this one, obviously. Um, and we ended up talking about religion and the church and god and all sorts really went off tangent into some really interesting places and somehow managed to bring it back to cars but i have a it's a very tenuous link to go from lifting up a child and going to the gym to so sam what's your most interesting car that you've ever had? <laughs> <laughs> well sometimes you've just got to do the hard cut and go back don't you yes right we'll do the hard sam what's the most interesting car you've ever had owned yes I'm uh, and I'm like, what do you mean by interesting? Like, What's your favorite favorite car I've ever owned? Yeah, my nine nine seven Gen two G three RS. That's a good car. It was. 
I think very good a lot car. of people would agree it's quite yeah. a good car. I think a lot of people would probably say that was the peak of the GT3s. Possibly. Like, I don't think you Depends can... Depends what you want to use it for. Was it the 3.8? Yeah, 3.8. Yeah. I, Which uh, then it's not too precious because it's not the, the, the halo four litre that you can't touch because it's now worth too much money. Ah, yeah, but that you could take that two ways. You could go... But if you owned a four litre... And granted, if you... I've done quite well out of my 3.8. Um, but if you own a four litre, you can drive that as much as you like, do whatever you like with it. You're always going to make a ton of money. Ah, true. That is so that's a different way of looking at what most people, they go, oh, you know, it's quite rare and it's worth a lot. It's like, well, that you can look at it two ways. Go, yes, you've got a lot of money that you could possibly get if you sold it. Or you can just drive it as much as possible. Drive it every day because it's going to make more sense than driving a daily driver. Yeah, and you know it's, it's still going to be worth a reasonable amount. It's still going to be worth an obscene amount of money. Yeah. That, that's a pretty good answer, though. Like, what, could, quite a good car, what though, could top that car, though? Yeah, exactly. Well, we've peaked there, and that was my... That, but that that's was almost in terms like of what I've owned. I don't know if I... No, I, I love that car. What What other things have you owned, then? Let's see if there's any comparison that we can go through. I know the two cars sat on the drive. That I would. I feel like there's some fishing going on. We'll get there. Um, yeah, so the, the big one that people might have come across is I owned an F40 for five years, which a lot of people would put in their... A question I ask everyone is their five-car garage at the end. Um, a lot of journalists say it's their favourite car. It was awesome. It is awesome. Um, but there's lots of things about owning that car. I think this people might relate to this, weirdly. It's a, it's a weird premise to say you might relate to owning an F40. But for me, I bought it at a value that was like pretty painful for me in terms of money. Mm. I'm sure most car heads, petrol heads have done something to, like this. You know, you bought a car and you've gone, oh, you know, this, 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 is, this is right on the edge. Um, and then it's gone up, which is brilliant, amazing. But it starts to get to a value reasonably quickly where you're like, well, if I damage this, it's going to be a real problem. Like, I'm going to lose a lot of value if I smash it. Like, it's still going to be, you know, you've got your insurance and whatever, all that sort of stuff. But, like, the value of the car is getting to a point where I'm not that comfortable I'm comfortable driving it, but I'm not that comfortable using it. Yeah, yeah. You you, you have that, I want to enjoy this thing, but I also have quite a lot of worry, which is going to ruin the enjoyment of it. And it does. And it, and it and whether it's big, the bills are large, not obscene, but the insurance is a lot of money. Um, and you just, just over time, I sort of, I kind of did everything I wanted to do with it. Yeah. I drove it a reasonable amount. I took it on track kind of had a lot of fun with it i drove it hard and mm. um, in the right sort of place in the right way and i kind of went well what more am i going to do with the car the next step for me with that car was would have been to do some really big road trips and and stuff with it and they're so mileage sensitive those yeah um it, if, if you just don't care about the value and you can go it doesn't matter and you can truly say that and everyone has Everyone probably has a value of item that they carry around or interact with a day, and they go, "Yeah, if I like smash that, I'm just going to buy another one." Mm. To be able to do that with an F40, you've got to have quite a lot of cash, um, and it, it just it just it just got to the point where it was kind of a bit more of a headache. 
than the enjoyment. And I, I enjoy cars. I enjoy driving cars. Yeah. Cause and it was great. But we already discussed you, you weren't inherently a, a car person in that sense. No, but I am now. Well, obviously, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it's one of those where if you started out as a, I, I like these because they're fun and I like them because they're exciting. If you don't get to have that thing, then you're, you're inherently going to get bored of it and it's just going to become a burden rather than a, oh, this is exciting. It's going to be like, oh, this is almost a status symbol now. And that's, I think it's it's really interesting one. Like just the concept of having, I struggle with the concept of having a bunch of things. Like, well, let's say, uh, I think at the moment I've got five cars or something like that. Really? Five, five or six. Why are you hiding them all? Because there's only two on the drive. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the one, yeah, I, I sound like an idiot because I don't know how many. I'll just run through. I'll run through them and then we'll work it out. So we've got the E sixty three, which is very cool. I like that, which is great. Um, but I have an E two hundred eight that's on a lease. Yep. A uh, little Peugeot electric car that that actually is the one that gets used the most because it's just zipping around town. Just before we move on, this the E sixty three is the estate though. Yeah. Which makes it way cooler. Oh, way cooler. Like, I would not have a normal one. Yeah, like there is a this shift towards the SUV is ruining the amazingness of a, an estate, especially a fast estate. But I get, like, I get it. If people want to have an SUV, fine. Yeah. just I'm just choosing to have an estate. Because it's better, yeah. Okay. I think it's better. <laughs> I, I think when someone, the sort of thing that someone might say around that one, is I know someone that has a, a new Defender, and they were telling me that it got, let's say, I don't know, 30 MPG. And they were saying that was a good number. I was like, yeah, but you're driving a diesel, mate. Yeah. You're driving yeah. a diesel truck and it gets 30 mpg. The E63, I, I think I've seen 28 on a long run in like driving reasonably sensibly. Yeah. But that that's a freaking fast car. That's a good if number. If you want it to and be. And petrol is cheaper than diesel. So if you're, and if, petrol's if you're cheaper only, than diesel, exactly. If you're only 2 mpg off a Defender... Why would you have the defender? Like, <laughs> Unless you're going through fields. Like ignoring all the stuff and whatever. Like, okay, can we just accept that SUVs get horrific fuel economy? Just, yeah. Just, that's just the situation. A friend of mine just bought a V8 TDI Vogue for like a 2012 mm. one. Yeah. He texted me, he's like, I've got 38 to the gallon. I was like, great. My Skoda Rapid gets 60. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's the sort of thing. And I think when we get, as we have the transition to electric cars, however you feel about them um you it's all about kilowatt hours now isn't it that's your miles per kilowatt hour or something yeah miles per kilowatt hours is the number and you can time you can times that by 40 right and you get a rough mpg type sort of calculation depending on how you do it but yeah um so running an ev around town and stuff i've, I've got used to because they're so much more efficient in general you no, you notice things that take away from that, whereas a, a combustion engine like the my E class is so inefficient in comparison. Like I, I don't know how efficient they are. Let's just say it's fifty percent efficient, and the electric car is like ninety five percent efficient or something. Yeah. So if you have a twenty percent hit, if you turn the aircon on, you're gonna lose like half an mpg because you're losing so much energy anyway putting a bit more into your aircon system it's not going to make a difference but right. in an ev it makes a bit more difference if the car is an suv you get a real you've lost a lot of range mm. 
and also filling up is more complicated in an EV. It, it takes more time or whatever. So you look at the, the tall, big stuff. A good comparison to sort of within brands, maybe like a, a model, Tesla Model 3 and a Tesla Model X. Yeah. Same powertrain, same all the stuff, but not, sorry, not X, uh, Y, Model Y. It's like a jacked up version of a... The one with the ghoul wing doors on the back, the big dash. No, 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 no not that one. Not Is that, that the X? The one in the middle. That's the X. Right. So the Y, there's one across the, across the street. It's just like a bigger three in terms of it's taller, whatever. Yeah. But your standard Model 3 will do, let's say, 300 miles of range. Your Y, same powertrain, same battery, will do 250. Like that's... In electric cars, on, it makes quite a big difference. Yeah. And then the faster you go, the the more of a difference it makes. I don't know what I'm sort of saying about that. But well, like, it, it's, it's odd that there isn't space. more focus on making electric cars smaller and lighter than and more aerodynamic. But it should also be a focus on making all cars. Oh, yeah, true. As we're moving towards full electricity. Electrification. That's the one. If um, that's the direction we're going it would make sense to do that as like efficiently as possible because then everybody wins. But EVs are a lot more efficient than normal anyway. So if you do a like for like, mm. lots of people go, oh, well, they're really heavy. Well, the freaking Range Rover, oh, yeah, Big Daddy Range Rover is pretty heavy. So in reality, well, I just need to electrify my Renault 5 and I'm in the sweet spot because it only weighs like 500 kilos or whatever. And if it was really efficient and reasonably quick... Just don't be, do that. Don't do that. I don't, I don't think anyone should electrify an older car. I, if you want to, whatever. But no, what I really want to do is put 182 running gear in it because mm. that would be hilarious. Yeah, no, that Terrifying. would be good. And I'd have to put a roll cage in as well just so I didn't immediately kill myself. Yeah, that would be good. But it would be a lot of fun. The one with... I've spoken to a few people about doing this with EVs and classic cars. And I, I'm kind of sort of just vacating the space in my mind at the moment on the topic i'm just i'm not that interested at the moment but if you put a tesla model s power pack that you found somewhere or, or you've built a bespoke one or whatever and you put it into an old car you've done none of the safety stuff around designing a ev like not you've literally done none of it you might people will say they've done some but there's a lot in making sure for example you don't turn the entire car live Right, yeah. Which is quite a scary thought, really, isn't it? And you've got to protect the battery in case of an impact, and all. There's, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, if around you're just built, designing an, an EV thing in an old car, it's not quite the same as building the platform from the ground up. Yeah, and if it's like a guy in a shed, I'm not saying everyone's a guy in a shed, but like, and some people in sheds do great work. But if you've got some tech that you don't fully understand, and you're just replacing a motor with that tech, and going, yeah, it's the same. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure making some of these cars really fast and really electric is a... It's not that good for the environment either. No. I, there's a, a big argument that classic cars have... They've they've done it. They've done all their badness. So now we should just enjoy them because they're not actually doing any harm anymore. Yeah. Like, uh, someone was talking about the ULEZ expansion and how it's mm. forcing all of these like under 40-year-old but over 10-year-old cars off the roads. Yeah. And how they said, well, if you think about it, most of the cars in that bracket, they've the the carbon it took to make them, it's all gone. It's all been accounted for. It, they've done all that. We're not talking about carbon, though, are we? That's not what ULAS is about. It's about air quality. 
Right, true. So we're talking about tailpipe emissions. and Isn't it based on nitrogen over carbon? Yeah, NOx yeah. levels. Yeah. Um, which I, I, the expanded ULES, I think, is exceptionally punitive on certain people. Um, but just trying to clean up the air in a city, I'm, I'm all for. But I, I don't know. It just seems seems pretty aggressive at the moment. But then we need to do some changes because it's it's effectively pretty bad. Kind of forcing people of an income that can't afford to buy something newer and cleaner out of owning personal transport or yeah, living in that environment. Um, but the the point they were making is that those cars are effectively not necessarily from a ULES standpoint, but in a we're trying to be greener in general. Mm. They've kind of done their worst stuff. So for them to just be on the road, the only damage they're doing is whatever is coming out of the tailpipe now. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you were to replace all of them with a brand new EV, the damage is the the production of an EV isn't completely zero yet, which yeah. is the the kind of the tipping point of it. Are we at the point where that makes sense environmentally to go like, we'll all have EVs when we haven't cracked the making them and fueling them completely net zero. But then making petrol is not exactly isn't great. Not zero either, no. Yeah. And a lot of the, it's I'm I'm sort of for all modes of transport. Yeah. And ultimately, the the city solution is not everyone driving everywhere. Yeah. That's that's what we should be aiming for, and it it would be really nice actually. Like if I day to day didn't drive a car, and I live in a city. That would be my life. I think it would be better. If I was walking or cycling and most people were walking and cycling and you're not dealing with trucks or whatever, just sitting in traffic, everyone taking their kids to school and there's like just rows and rows of people in combustion engines just kicking out rubbish. Yeah. Have you heard about the 15-minute city that they've um, talked about in America where everything was in 50-minute walking distance? It's a nice concept. Loads of people have gone, oh, restricting our rights. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) What? (laughs) <laughs> there's some good examples because i think in the uk we have uh, i think oxford they're doing some stuff they've done some pretty intent they've just put up bollards everywhere yeah in the center um and bath are about to do something where they zone it um but there's some good examples in other countries and i, I don't quite know 100 percent about the topic but i know someone that's very into this sort of stuff um places like Amsterdam, for example. Um, I don't know quite how they did the transition, but I think they basically said you can't drive through the middle at one point in time. They're like, you need to go out, and then ideally there's a ring road, and you go around the ring road, and you bugger off to wherever you've got to go. Right. But in the town, everything is cycle and walk. Yeah. And actually, if you somewhere like London, I think is really hard to do that. But if you're a smaller place and you do have a ring road and it doesn't take that long to get to the ring road, actually, it'd be amazing. Like the concept, one of the ones that the person I was talking to brought up and it's small town planning things is um, let's say you look at a street now. And this this street's not a great example, but the load streets nearby where there's a bunch of cars parked on the side of the road outside people's houses. And then you've got a sort of single lane pretty much in the middle where the, the traffic goes. Yeah. Then one, a small change you can do and it's just a, a planning change is you make the pavements come out to where the single lane driving down the middle is. Yeah. And 
the parking spaces and you get this in you get this in in other countries um you get it in the netherlands the parking spaces are on the curb yeah but the curb's like soft so you could drive up onto the curb into your parking space great whatever parking is pretty much the same except when you drive off the curb that's pavement so you double the size of your pavement or more than double the size of your pavement yeah when there's no ca- when cars aren't parked there mm-hmm. so then when you're walking down the street there's more you've space. got more space it's nicer for everyone it feels less like that that's a small thing yeah because the, the amount of road space is the same exactly the same because it inherently only has enough space for one car either way yeah but it's a nicer environment to significantly nicer environment to live in and there's lots of stuff like that you can do um i'm all for i think the problem is and i think something like amsterdam they said they were going to do these changes i don't know whether it specifically was amsterdam and all the residents are like we hate this we hate this we hate this for a a few years but now they're like it's amazing now whether you should force stuff on people that they don't think is going to be amazing I think there needs to be a lot of education and Sounds consultation like and stuff. having that situation at the minute because there's a lot of pushback for what they're doing and there's a lot of people really kicking off and calling them authoritarian and everything. But and is it the majority? I don't know. I have a. I don't live in Oxford and I have yeah, a very narrow know. insight into what's going on. So you kind of only see bits. But it, see, it seems like they're doing this stuff and you'll see the videos of people like knocking the bollards yeah. down and stuff like that. And it's like, ah, oh, there seems to be a lot of pushback to it. Will there be a point where it's been happening long enough that people are used to it and they go, oh, actually, I like this. It's, it's much nicer and much calmer. It needs to be part of, and I don't I don't know the Oxford situation, but it needs to be part of a very considered, well-thought-out town plan, yeah. like city-wide solution that's over a long period of time. One of the things that happened during the pandemic, I think, was, and it happened around here and it happened where I used to live, they just put in these like plant pots and bollards. Oh, they put bike lanes everywhere. And they just blocked roads and said, this is now, you can't drive through. Yeah. And they just, they hadn't done zero consultation, zero like actual look at traffic flow and whether it worked. They just blocked stuff and went, this will be better. And weirdly enough, it wasn't. It was horrific. <laughs> and like, what? Yeah. What? Come on. They're and just they, doing and they had a budget the to do it. it. Yeah. And then they just spent the budget. It's like classic kind of, governmental spending like situations if you where don't some, spend it you don't, you don't it spend it you don't get it next yeah. year like <laughs> great well done guys oh, it's a nightmare and hopefully as we are moving forward with kind of being more environmentally conscious these considerations will be happening yeah, it just needs to be done it needs to be made and communicated in a way that like this should be better and people should believe it's going to be better because i think most people want to live in a cleaner nicer environment yeah and if if you can walk to your kid's school great if you cycle to your kid's school with your kid on the back and it feels safer people just want to feel like safe don't they they want to feel safe and it's i think the nice environment it starts raining everyone wants to get back in the car they do but i think if the the longer you do it like an example would probably be somewhere like oxford yeah if you cycle most of the time when it rains, you just put a coat on. True. If it becomes the norm to be on the bike, yeah. you just adapt to the norm. And driving a car becomes, not because people have made it punitive, mm. but it's just not as convenient. Yeah, I, I think convenience is probably the big key. If it needs it to be, be more, more convenient. convenient. Yeah. If it can be more convenient to walk or cycle or 
get the tube or the bus or whatever. Yeah. If that is more convenient, people will just do it more. Yeah. Like I get from, from where we are here, if I'm going into sort of central London to, for something, generally it takes the same amount of time to get a train, get the tube as to drive. And if it's bad, it's faster. Yeah. If the traffic's bad, it's faster. But then you get to your destination and you've got to park a car, which could take 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to pay for parking and which you lose and you actually lose a bunch of flexibility. Like, yeah. If you want to meet someone for a drink, you can't do that. You might be able to, but like not really. Or you want to just change your plans. There are times in cities when having a car is more restrictive than just having a good Absolutely. transport network. Absolutely. Um, I don't know what, but that's not really particularly useful, to be honest, for anyone. Back to cars. Yeah, let's go back to cars. <laughs> so we got to car number two, and then I took us off on a tangent. Which what did we get? E208. Yeah, we yeah, got yeah, E208, yeah. and I dragged you back to the fact that... So E63, E208, which is going back soon. Uh, I've got a 991.2 GTS, so Porsche 911, uh, PDK rear-wheel drive, for the people that care about that sort people of thing. People will care about Rear-wheel that. steering, uh, which is great. How do you find... so? The reason that I was at Toyota getting my wheels aligned today is because the back end has been feeling odd. Mm. And it's almost felt like it's rotating round without any extra input. Which is how I imagine rear wheel steering feels when you first try it. Ah, it just feels good. It doesn't it doesn't like it just cars with rear wheel steering just drive better. Right. I'm sure there'll be examples where they don't, but Porsches that have got it are better. And actually for that, that's my kind of like it's not daily, but it's a car I bought to use relatively often. Yeah. The reality is I don't actually use it that often. So I've learned a bit of something about myself. Um, I'd rather be really comfy mm. in something and actually don't really care what the engine is like that much. Like a, a really comfy, small SUV, not SUV, sorry, wrong word, EV. Yeah. Um, would suit my daily needs, like a like a small A3 sized Bentley or Rolls Royce. That's a great, yeah. That would, would be brilliant. sick for like most of my usage because I don't need a big car. I don't put that much stuff in it. Occasionally, you've got family, or whatever. So, so that would be something else. And then I want something a sports car for when I'm having fun. Yeah. In which case, it could probably be a bit more raw, a bit more visceral, maybe like the 997. Anyway, whatever. Got the 991.2. It's good. Um, I'm probably going to get rid of it. But it's, it, it's good. It's just... Wait, it sounds like it's not, it that much. it's not specific enough for what you need it. Like, you, if you've got something comfy and you want something sporty, the 911 is kind of both of those things, but neither of those things. Whereas yeah, if you go, I've got a really comfy thing and a really aggressive thing, you've got kind of the best of those two situations then. Yeah, I, I think so. The, the tricky one is if you've got a kid, and you want to go as a three, like so. so we've got one, yeah, one child. But we want to go as a three. Yeah, we can do that in a GTS. Can't do it in any of the other sports cars. No, true. My dad um, took me and my two brothers to Le Mans twice in his nine nine six. Sick. Because you've got four seats. Exactly. So and they're not the worst four seats in the world. So I struggle with the concept of not having something that we can all go in. Yeah. And like, yeah, the EC three is awesome, but it's it's not quite the same as a sports car. Yeah. Um. So you got that. Got a 997. Uh, I've got a backdated SC. All right, okay. Done by Auto Farm. Uh, so it kind of looks like a 72 ST type thing. Yeah. Um, kind of messed with. 
that's good. That's fun. Uh, took that to Sweden. That's something about Sweden earlier. Um, we were talking about a Swedish um, rock climber. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I was just actually someone I was talking to you earlier. Um, took that to Sweden in the winter with some mates and skid it about on the snow, which was the best thing ever. I bet that was loads of fun. So much fun. I wish I'd had some studs in that car though. Just winters was it's fine. It's fine on the roads when you've got snow. Mm. Um, on an ice track, when it gets after this, you've blown all the snow away, you're just ice and just didn't have enough grip. Yeah. But awesome, awesome, awesome fun. So analog. Um, and then I've got a Radical. So an SR3 race car. I imagine that's tricky to get to grips with. It's actually quite easy to drive. Oh. It's just not that easy to drive really fast. Right. I, I don't know. I think it's quite a friendly car. I have driven it quite a lot. I, I think it is quite friendly. It does all the stuff, but you have to develop a certain level of skills to drive. Like it doesn't have ABS. So yeah, yeah. You've got to learn to brake without ABS, mm-hmm. which is, you know, dry, wet, whatever. But it's got lots of aero. So in the wet, actually, you've got quite a lot of grip. Yeah. If you're going sort of quickish, um, as soon as you slow down, you lose the aero and then you've got to be careful with the brakes. But, and it's so reactive. Like it, like, it's like a caterum, but on steroids. Yeah. Not in terms of like, it's much faster. It's not faster than a fast caterum in a straight line. But around a track, it's like, it's, it's a, another level. It's a lot faster. So you um, have to, you really have to learn that car then. It's not a, it's, it's a different way of driving almost. Yeah. Then that's why I went the radical route. I've had a few radicals. Uh, well, this is the second one I've had. I had the baby one, the SR1, raced that for a bit and got the three and raced that a little bit. I haven't raced it for a while. Um, but, I got it because I wanted an experience. I wanted to experience something that I didn't experience in road cars. Yeah. And after driving the radicals for 10 minutes, you're like, well, there's no point in taking my GT3 RS on track. <laughs> like there's no point in buying an RS as a track car. I can see scenarios when you might, but in driving something yeah. like something that's just track prepped and light, even like a catering, for example, you can hammer it around track all day and if you send it off into the gravel, it doesn't really matter that much. Like, okay, you wouldn't want to, if it's a race car, it really doesn't matter that much. You might duct tape up the bodywork or whatever or fix it and you've scratched your white finish. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Whereas if you send your road car into the gravel, it's not so good. Yeah, it's your road car. You've got to it's your, Yeah, exactly. It. Like, it's got a nice paint job. Yeah. Um, People are going to see it. And they're heavy. Like, all road cars are heavy. Yeah, my 86 is 12.50 kilos. Yeah, my Radical's 5.50. Yeah. <laughs> That's the difference. Like, How much horsepower does the 86 have? 200 on a good day. Okay, so the Radical's got a bit more. It's like 240. Yeah. 250. So it's faster in every way. Yeah, every way. Yeah. yeah. Unless you want to carry not, a lot of stuff. It's not a particular competition. but So that, yeah, I got that to drive and learn driving an aero prototype-y type. Thing. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's very different from driving a, a road car as an experience and oh, it's awesome it's probably justifies your racing simulator almost I, I really need it just to make sure that I'm i think if any day that i've spent some time on the simulator and worked on some driving and i've definitely worked on stuff like i've learned something some theory or in practice and then come back and practiced it 
yeah on a sim and even if it's gran turismo or whatever like you can still practice the concepts that you've learned on a sim and they do translate back you've got to have some reference for what it's like in real life but you really can learn some stuff um and the sim was quite a large initial expenditure but the components are generally pretty much they don't lose value very much yeah yeah and i can go in there turn it on play for 20 minutes turn it off and then I'm back home. If I want to do that with a car on a track, even the cheapest way of taking a car on track is so expensive. So I rate sims. I think they're great. I think they're brilliant. There's a, a company in Guildford that do um, like vintage Formula One car monocoque sims. They're brilliant. They invite us down to go and have a go. And essentially you're sat in an old Formula One car chassis, but it's on a like a motion plate. Mm. So you've got like the force feedback and manual gearbox and all of that. Really good. It's great fun. I really struggled. <laughs> but that's the point. Like, it wasn't easy because it's more realistic and driving an old sports car is... Do you think... Did it feel like driving? Once the initial kind of... Like, once you get into the, the zone of what yeah, you're yeah, doing, yeah. you kind of... You immerse... Immerse... You're immersed in it and you forget yeah. what you're doing. You just feel like you're actually yeah. performing the activity. I don't think it's the same as if you were actually driving something Obviously like Obviously not. Because that is a very different experience yeah. to driving anything, really, because you're exposed, you're in the elements. It's yeah. not quite the same. But in terms of learning a new dynamic for driving something, it's pretty good. Yeah. But I haven't got the real-life experience to compare it to. I've, I just I've know I wasn't very good at it. I've tried a few different sort of professional sims, but there's and there's plenty more I would like to try. Um, and the first one I tried, it was it was a place that did sort of sim training, and they, the idea was that you were meant to come and do a bit of driver training to prepare you for your race season. So they charge you a reasonable amount of money to do it and have a big setup. But I, I drove on their sim, and I think that was our factor at the time. And they had set up a Radical SR3, and I drove it. I was like, this just doesn't feel that particular sim just didn't feel very good and it, it's not like i think the mainstream stuff mm. like your gran turismo or whatever or assetto corsa on a pc not on the, any of the consoles no, um, Corsa. for some reason assetto corsa on a pc is just significantly better than on a playstation i don't know why but it is it is just better um but those games you can feel once you've learned the sort of sim yeah and how your setup kind of works you you're picking up all the information you need you don't feel like you're in a car but you pick up all the information you know that whether you've got a grip at the front end you know whether it's like the rear all the sort of stuff and then you can use that knowledge to learn yeah, yeah. if you if you want to and you're applying it you can use that really well you don't need a bazillion pound yeah. sim you just need a wheel that's like okay and some pedals and you can pick up so much i've not found any of them i need to go i want to go and drive some of the stupid ones they're like there's one at the moment they're like millions of pounds really I'd be like what is this so i knew the guy that had um oh this is my my third interesting story of the I'm glad we're getting through them all. Got back to the third one. So he had a... Apologies, listeners. You've probably heard these before. Oh, uh, <laughs> so a friend of mine was chatting to me the other day. And he said, oh, I, lo I love listening to your podcast. I love it when you tell a new person a story I've already heard. <laughs> I know where the punchline is. And I know what the outcome is. But they've not... They don't. Yeah. So that when you get there, 
I get to like, sorry, relive it. Yeah, like I get to hear their reaction in real time, but I know what's coming. It's a weird thing that I'd forgot would happen if I developed any sort of audience because I have this thing where I forget who I've told what to, mm. but now it's recorded, so everyone knows all the stories all the time. But uh, back to the story was, um, I knew the guy had uh, an Aston Martin Vulcan, and it was the one that Clarkson drove on the Grand Tour. As you, yeah, as you do. I met him at a car meet. Legitimately met him at a car event, got chatting, now we're pals. But he, at one point, had the most expensive privately owned racing simulator in the world. And that was only, in comparison, only 100 grand. Yeah. To, compared to your millions. That's a lot. It's still a lot of money. It's a lot. I mean, he spent two and a half million on a car. So in comparison to that, not as much. But yeah, and if like you go to racing. Full actuators and everything. It's it's quite a good investment. I don't know about spending 100 grand. But like spending decent money. Yeah. If you're doing something like GT3 racing or above. Yeah, yeah. Then spending 100 grand. Like they spend. Well, to go to Le Mans is a million pound entry. Some, I was looking at, what was it? Blancpain. Blancpain? At Spa. I was chatting to someone and they spend something like 60 grand or more, or more maybe, on tyres for one car over the course of the weekend. And you're like, hmm. okay. How many tyres and how much does a tyre cost? A couple, I think a set is like two and a half grand. Three How grand. do you get through that many tyres in one weekend? <laughs> Unless you're Chris they get Harris through a lot. Because they, they change... Is that is that what it costs? Because they run for like, what, three days? Sort of three days, but, you know, one 24-hour yeah, yeah. period plus a bunch of testing and stuff. Um, and they change the tyres every hour? Hour 15? That's quite a lot of tyres then, really, isn't it? It is a lot of tyres. Yeah, yeah. And that is, that, I don't know how much they cost. So, like... I know what the tires on my car cost, and these are probably more expensive. Yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. It's a worthwhile investment if you do. If you're in that category. Yeah, yeah. if you're doing that sort of. And with regards to the Vulcan, you can only drive it on track. Yeah. You can only really drive it on tracks that don't have noise limits. Yep. And you effectively either have to go with a load of other people in that level of car or hire a track. Yeah. I think they hired Silverstone once. Quite a big like initial grand. spend, isn't it? Yeah. It costs like 20 grand to hire Silverstone for the day. Just so that they could go and drive their car. Yeah. So in retrospect, 100 grand on a racing simulator so that when you go and drive your car, you're actually getting what you're paying for and you're less likely to bin it. It's probably not that bad of a, <laughs> an investment, really. And, and a, a huge proportion of the cost is set up. That's the, like... Yeah. It's not just the kit. It's not... Annoyingly, it's not like 100 grand's worth of kit. It might be 60, 70 grand's worth of kit or something. But then 30 is it is them calibrating it. Yeah, their knowledge it and whatever and making sure that it's like like your car. Um, it's wild. I never got to have a go. I was really disappointed. By the time <laughs> I, I eventually, because they live really far away, by the time I eventually was there, not because it took me a long time to get there, just the opportunity never arose. They sold it. I was really upset. Oh, that is annoying. I was, like, I was really looking forward to having a go on that. And those simulators are generally, they're, they're always like one car. They're set up for one car. Yeah, I know. They're not mean. set up like for ten different cars. It's not like you switch on Forza and you go, "Oh, what, sh what should we drive?" It's like, "Oh, that's, here is my that's car." That's the most fun, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. About any sim, it's like today I'm going to drive a 911 and I'm going to see what the handling dynamics about, and then let's give it another 500 horsepower more than it should have. Now I'm going to drive a Formula One car. Now I'm going to drive an Audi LMP car. That's what sims are for. I feel like. Yeah, I feel like in terms of a recreational thing, yeah. that's the best part about it. Is you 100%. can 
I'm driving around the Top Gear test track in any car I want. Exactly. Actually, I'm living the dream. Yeah. But uh, no, it's it's a fun world. And I think like the more, and I, hopefully you found this as well, the more that you kind of engage with it, it cars in general, not sim racing, the more interesting it becomes. Yes and no. Right. I go ups and downs. I can understand that. I think like anything, the more, hopefully this is a good analogy, the more resolution you look at it in. Yeah. The more detail you find, the more interesting things. Yeah, I think that's true. It's you also spot the flaws more as well because it's clearer. Hmm. It makes your analogy even deeper. Yeah, you do. You it's do. like the the Family Guy episode when they all switch to HD, and it turns out the news <laughs> presenter's really ugly. It was just all being hidden by the low quality camera. <laughs> oh God, no, go back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and and like it's that's why I love having the the conversations, and it's. When you get the right person or the right topic, anything can be interesting. I, I kind of believe that. If you have the right person talking about it and certain people are amazing at it and certain people are really bad. I've got a lot of friends in quite sort of conventional corporate jobs and I ask them about what they do. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but I don't understand what you do. But I've, I've asked you and you're kind of fobbing me off. But like, you must find it interesting can you just explain a little bit about your day in a way that's interesting <laughs> or like provide some sort of in like but we you can you could meet the most on paper interesting people in the world yeah and if they can't communicate that in a sort of nice personable way it won't seem interesting yeah yeah it's it's why it takes a good teacher to get people to learn Absolutely. you can have a really interesting topic talked about by someone really boring and you won't take any of it in. No. You can have a really boring topic talked about by someone really interesting and you'll learn everything about it. Is there a boring topic? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I guess, especially within the automotive world, you can get into some really kind of, probably towards the more engineering side of things. But it could be interesting. Yeah, if you've got the right person. Yeah. If you've got Colin Robinson from the What We Do in the Shadows, who is like the most bland person, talking about how to dynamically set up a suspension rig you're going to fall asleep but if you've got like gordon murray telling you yeah. and he explains it in like an interesting way you'll learn loads more because it's an interesting conversation it's not just like numbers and facts we see it a lot in car reviews yeah we see it, and i i don't know where i sit on the spectrum pretty low down in terms of views and whatnot but we you get a new car's been launched and we'll see five reviews let's say you know, rinse and repeat the same stuff. Um, but some of them are just inherently more interesting on camera than others, whether it's like the way they've done it or whatever. But like you go, you are sitting in one of the most insane vehicles, you know, some new crazy hypercar. Let's just say, imagine you put everyone in a, a Valkyrie. Yeah. And they drive around and some people will talk about it and be like, yes, it is an amazing engine. You know, like, it has lots of power. Which I think is, it's one of the things the sort of YouTuber people, mm. some can be really good at. And I think a lot of in, in the sort of nerdy car world, a lot of people get a bit of like hate. Hate? Maybe not so hate, that's a bit of a strong word. But they look down on some people because they go, well, their knowledge and their driving is not very good. And you're like, well, hopefully they're trying to improve both of these. But... They're if, really good at presenting. If they're really good at giving some emotion across mm. on a camera, 
that's more that's more important and that's why they get a lot of views yeah because the other stuff can be learned mm. i think a lot of character is hard to there's not like a formula to it that is easy to pick up you kind of have to inherently go i am able to present this in an excitable emotive way just naturally and that kind of also like authentic emotion is what engages people you could know every fact about a car but if you can't make that interesting or engaging it's it's almost pointless you have to be engaged yeah if you're not engaged the audience is not going to be engaged yeah and i think people genuinely finding something exciting is what gets people to engage with it because take jason camisa for example he's a really good one for really getting excited about stuff and mm. presenting that really well and it can be a reasonably mundane car but he'll be so excited about it. You can't help but be like, I'm interested. No, I'm, so I'm just going to have to listen to this. You're going to tell yeah. me some good stuff. You're excited about it. It's clearly interesting on some level. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that there's a real scope for for that existing that not everybody necessarily realizes until you kind of find it. You go, oh, that's actually why I like what I like or why I'm listening to what I'm listening to is because it's the person that's selling it to me, not necessarily the subject matter. Um rather than going oh it's a really exciting car it's not necessarily why you're going to watch the thing no and it's probably also why when you look at things like socials someone can go here's a million pound car and it gets like no views and someone can go i'm having a right laugh in this 500 quid car and yeah. get loads of views because people it's more interesting rather than yeah it just being a wow factor absolutely um so we've way smashed through the hour and a half mark yeah, um, and I, I am conscious of how much time I'm taking from your afternoon. What's the direction that things are kind of moving towards for you? What are you looking forward to doing, and like, what stuff are you going to be probably doing more of? Good question. I think with like we were just talking about, it's got to be interesting. It's got to be interesting to me, um, and if it's not interesting for me. I don't think I should be the person doing it. Right. Now, as we've talked about with some stuff, whether it's, you know, you're going to do this thing and you've said you're going to do 50 episodes or one episode or you're going to record a video and you're going to post it on the internet. You've just got to do it. Yeah. There is a certain level of you've just got to do it. There's going to be times when it's going to be hard, times when it's going to be horrible. You might pull your hair out. It might not work out right, whatever. You've kind of still got to do it. So for me, I want to, keep this going i'm not just gonna be like i'm just gonna do it when i want to do it when i feel it yeah, like, yeah you kind of have to push through that stuff otherwise it, you're never gonna get it done and you don't necessarily you don't necessarily know whether you're gonna enjoy it like, like let's say this conversation here before we started we never met in person no no never chatted we had a bit of a text sort of conversation i don't know whether i'm gonna enjoy it i'm enjoying it now you, you took well, you've a got to start point, to be fair you got to start so a stranger from up north messaged you in your yeah. Life. I was this like, what come down to my house. Yeah. I'll invite you into my life. I'll invite you into my north. bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I'm gonna keep. I'll keep doing the podcast. Uh, a weird. Sort of, I don't even warrant this is worth talking about, but one of my main sponsors has pulled out this uh, this week. That's an achievement to have sponsors, though. Yeah, it's good. But then you have to sort of. So it works a few ways. You've got to maintain that relationship. You've got to deliver. You've got to pitch. Like it's, you know, all that yeah, sort of yeah. stuff. Um, and they're, they're pulling out because it's, it's a wider strategy change. They're doing no paid media whatsoever next year. Right. Fine. 
So they're pulling out a lot of stuff. But what that's meant for me is like, right, okay, the main people that were paying for production and whatever, and a bit for me, they pulled out. So that's gone. And you're like, oh, what the hell am I going to do now? Um, and actually, it's it's an opportunity. There's a different podcast provider that I can use that serves their own ads. Right. It's a bit like YouTube. You put something on YouTube, if once you've got to a certain level, you can... YouTube will put ads on it and you share the revenue. There's a podcast platform that will sell your ads and stuff like that. So I was like, you know what? The main sponsors have pulled out. I reckon this could be quite good. I'm going to give it a go. So I'm going to give it a go for six months, see how it works. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Um, and that could be that could be quite a good change because it will, it will mean I will no longer have to be actively seeking and pitching and maintaining sponsorship relationships, which... There's a lot of pluses in doing that. You get a lot of cool stuff you get to do. I've I've been able to do some really cool stuff kind of outside of just directly the podcast because of the relationships we've had with other companies. But yeah. So that's that's a, that's a kind of big just behind the scenes change for this year. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be, I'm interviewing some more people, going to be driving some more cars. I'd like to drive some more cars. Why, who doesn't? Who doesn't want to drive the things that you're looking at? flicking through or if you ever get to that point you need to stop really don't you because you you've kind of you've become bored of the thing that used to excite you if it's not interesting anymore yeah it's tricky though because you can i think everything's going to become boring at some level at some time and it's one of the reasons why i take a break yeah other than just trying to record the pure volume gets really hard without having a break but giving a break every now and then whether it's a day or two weeks or whatever you can do, I, I find I start getting itchy again. And I start getting like, Ooh, yeah, I want to go and, you know, I want to do something. Yeah, yeah. Let's go do it. Let's go do it. So I'm, I'm going to make some more YouTube videos this year, but I'm only going to make videos that I want to make um, on cars that I, I find I find interesting. Yeah. Um, and I, I generally only do that anyway, but... I'm going to search out the ones that I really want to drive and try and do that. And if I'm not, if I'm not driving those, I'm not going to make a video. I'm not going to make a video for the sake of it. It's not worth it. Not just chasing the algorithms then. It doesn't, they don't do very well in terms of views. It's a lot of effort to make them and time. Yeah. Um, and I could be doing other things. Um, so that's that. But the podcast, I love doing it. It gets a bit daunting when you look at the number of episodes you normally do I think that's like 40 something a year um and then you're like well i need 40 something people to agree to do it and then schedule and yeah. then and then the schedules to align and then them them not cancel because that's the, the biggest part in the hospital or whatever. scheduling is the hardest it's the hardest part, part. such a pain in the ass <laughs> once it's scheduled and locked in even then it's not necessarily because you connection issues or sometimes people just the day before go i can't do it um so when you've got a, a once a week or once a two weeks or once a month or whatever you pick, trying to stick to that is can be quite hard. But yeah, it's, it's 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 fun. I like doing it. I like talking to new people. I've enjoyed this conversation. Me too. I I came in with a, a similar kind of. We've never met. I'm not really sure what to expect, but that's kind of the point. So let's do it. 
Kind of the point. And we're now one hour 46 in. Yeah. and Let's <laughs> get going. It's probably a nice point for us to wrap up, really. Yeah. Um, especially seeing as it's, I've got to get out of London and get home as well. Do Which is always fun. It'll be all right. I, I was tempted to go and pop in and see Merlin, but it's way too late in the day for a, a casual pop in there. He's probably on your way out of London. Yeah, but he's probably like in San Moritz or something. I think he probably is. Yeah. As he always is. Every time. Every time. <laughs> I drop him a text. I'm like, dude, are you free? He's like, um, in some European company. Yeah, 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 yeah. In some cool car. Yeah. The Testeros is in the North Pole or something. Like, oh, yeah. Great. I'm very jealous. He's always doing cool stuff. Um, but no, it's it's been a pleasure. And I genuinely really enjoyed just chinwagging. Thanks um, for thanks for having me on. The the best thing about this podcast is that if nothing else, I get to wander around and chat to interesting people in an environment that I enjoy. That's a good enough reason as any to do it, I think. Perfect. Well, thank you again so much for well, sitting down with a stranger for almost two hours. Well, thanks for coming. It was a real risk. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. Cheers. You can hit the button, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs>